0: My senior year of college, I lived in a house with three other guys um, who were not really interested in hygiene and cleanliness. And uh, that was a problem, number one, just for me personally, because it kind of bugged me. And I like to have things clean and in order. But it really got to be a problem as we were approaching graduation. And all of a sudden I realize I'm going to have my parents and my grandmother and my girlfriend show up and this place is a disgusting pigsty and it's not fit hardly for human habitation, much less for adults to show up and actually enter this place. I don't know if you've ever had a scenario like that, where suddenly you have guests coming over for Christmas, and you realize we need to go out and buy more closets to put all the stuff in that we've accumulated, and uh, how do we clean up and make this place presentable? That's not really what we hear so much this time of year, though, Uh, when we think about Christmas. You know, it's all, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane, with lots of toys for the girls and boys, and all of us are on Santa's nice list, right? We all expect that we're the good little girls and boys that Santa has the toys for. I mean, I like gifts, I I like getting gifts, and and the idea of, uh, you know, a jolly, generous old man who's just going to give me stuff is kind of appealing, but is that really what God is like? I think maybe at times our default is to assume that if we did see God, maybe He'd look at us like Santa Claus. You're on the nice list. You've been a good boy, a good girl. God would be pleased with us and pat us on the head. And, and maybe God would even have questions to answer of us, you know, because we're not happy with the way God is doing things or the way He's allowing things to happen in our lives. Imagine... The, the largest, most impressive thing you can, Mount Everest, or the Grand Canyon, or the Pacific Ocean that covers a third of our planet, and, and even that's too small. I mean, our planet is circling one star out of 100 billion just in this galaxy, and astronomers tell us there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in the universe. Now, if all of that and us and everything else did not just come about by chance, if we're not here by the most colossal, impossible accident, and there's actually a God who's not a machine, not a robot, but a person with a mind, with a will, with emotions. If there's a God who is built into us, a a sense of morality, the longing for justice, for truth and and goodness and, and beauty and relationship. Surely that God is far above and beyond and better than us. We all know that feeling when we've done something wrong and we're deeply ashamed. We don't want to look our parents or our boss or our spouse in the eyes and And if we get that sense when we let other people down and we know that we've done wrong, what would it be like for God to stand in front of us? And for us to have to acknowledge honestly all that we've done wrong to that God and in front of that God, what if God really did show up? An old Advent hymn that we sometimes sing dates back to a church liturgy from the third century. Let all mortal flesh keep silence, and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descends, our full homage to demand. That's what Christmas is about. The, the, The Creator becomes a creature. The author writes himself into the story. That's a serious thing. That's a holy thing. That's a humbling thing. But it's also a good thing. In fact, it's the best possible thing. For with blessing in his hand, Christ, our God, to earth descends. The uncreated God, the source of all light and life, descends to earth. God with us, Emmanuel. That's what Christmas is about. I have uh, something of a, a confession, I guess, to make to you all. I, uh, I never actually finished reading Moby Dick in school. Uh, perhaps I can start a club, and uh, many of us can join it. Uh, there are a lot of insights uh, that I have appreciated from Melville's writing, and one of them comes From Moby Dick, he says this Heaven have mercy on us all, Presbyterians and pagans alike, for we are all somehow dreadfully cracked about the head and sadly need mending. Part of the message of Jesus entering this world is that we are disastrously, dreadfully broken. And we cannot fix ourselves. And Jesus comes to graciously help who, those who know they are not right. We heard earlier the prophecy from Isaiah about this child, Emmanuel, God with us, and the description of him. He is a wonderful counselor. Unlike all the other kings and rulers of this world with their own limited Wisdom, their own sometimes foolish ideas, their own selfish motivations. God promises that He would send His Son to be a king, all wise, all knowing, with the guidance, the direction that we need. He is mighty God. That word mighty in the Hebrew comes from from the root meaning a warrior. He is a warrior who fights to rescue and save God's people. In fact, he is the deliverer promised all the way back in the beginning in Genesis that one would come from the woman's seed to crush the serpent, to defeat God's and our greatest enemies, sin and Satan and hell and death. And Jesus' greatest battle was living a life of perfect obedience to God and going to the cross where he would break the power of Satan, taking God's wrath on himself that we deserved. And he can do this because he is the eternal father. Not that Jesus is God the father, but he is equal to God the father and he rules over his people like a king who cares As a father for his children, he rules with compassion and kindness and wisdom and for our good. He is the king that we long for and that we need. A a king who would rule over this world and over me. And he will deal with his people in a loving and good and wise and righteous way and rule eternally because he is God. And he is the prince of peace. He is the prince who brings peace. Jesus came into the world to make peace through his blood shed on the cross. There's an old story about Shah Abbas, a Persian king who came to the throne in the 1500s. Shah Abbas was known for loving his people and having a desire to know them, he would often dress up as a commoner and go walk out in his capital city to get to know them. And one day, while visiting a public bathhouse, Shah Abbas went down into the basement and sat down next to the poor man whose job it was to stoke the furnace fires to keep the baths warm for the people above. And king struck up a friendship with this poor laborer who welcomed This king's company not knowing who it was. The king would apparently go back often to visit the furnace keeper. And when mealtime came, this peasant would share his poor, coarse food with the king. And and the two grew to become close. One day, the king revealed his true identity to the man. And Shah Abbas the king expected that the furnace worker would ask him for some great gift, some favor. But instead, when the man recovered from his shock, he simply said, You left your palace and your glory to come sit with me in this dark place to eat my poor food and to care whether I was happy or sad. To others you may give rich presents, but to me you have given yourself. And all I ask is that you never take away your friendship." Now, that's a wonderful story, and it pictures something of Jesus. But for it to really be like Jesus, it would have to be a king who went to the people who hated and reject him and denied his right to rule over them. He would have to go and visit and care for and live among rebels and traitors like us. And I don't have a great story to tell like that because there is no king who does that except Jesus. Jesus is not just God with us, he is God for us. The God who comes to be our Prince of Peace, our wonderful Counselor, who is the mighty God and who comes to be our Savior. A Savior is born, God for us. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. To those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. God for us. The word incarnation comes from the Latin meaning uh, to be made into flesh. And the Bible doesn't really spend any time trying to explain exactly how that worked. How it was that Jesus is both fully God and fully man, it simply asserts and makes clear that that's who Jesus is. What the Bible says is much more important is understanding what incarnation means for us, how Jesus, being fully God and fully human, shows us what God is like and what God intends for us to be like as we follow Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what we are meant to be like? Look at Jesus. Isaiah 9 says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. And I have come that all who follow me should not remain in darkness, but have the light of life. Some of us are are walking in darkness, not because of anything that you've done wrong, but simply because you are a human being living in a broken world. And maybe there's the darkness of pain or suffering or loss or grief. And the good news of Christmas is that we have a God who knows what it is to be human, who sympathizes with us in our weakness, who helps us in our suffering who transforms our brokenness into healing and blessing for others and who promises that this is not the end of the story because we are celebrating Jesus' first advent while we look for his second coming to restore and redeem everything. Maybe you're suffering in darkness because someone has done something wrong or hateful or hurtful to you. The message of Christmas is that Jesus has come to bring forgiveness and light and life to us so that we can extend the same forgiveness and grace to others that we have received ourselves. That we are taught to pray, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us because we know how much we have been forgiven. And Jesus comes to bring light. To those who are struggling with bitterness and anger and hurt. So that we would be freed from the prisons that we often make for ourselves. And some of us are walking in darkness because we see the darkness in ourselves or, or maybe in the world around us. We see the failure, the sin, the weakness, the foolishness, the greed, the anger, the pride, the lust, all of it. And the good news is that Jesus comes not just to forgive us, but to free us and to give us a new life in Him. Jesus is not just God with us and God for us, but God in us. That He promises He would come to live in His people and lead us from darkness to light, to new life, so that we can now be people who reflect his light, his life, his grace, his peace, his joy, his forgiveness in our families, in our homes, in our schools, at work, in our neighborhoods. Nadia Bowles Weber. Uh, writes this, God did not enter the world of our nostalgic, snow-blanketed, peace-on-earth, suspended reality of Christmas. God came into the vulnerability of our skin to enter our violent and disturbing world. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to close as we traditionally do by lighting candles and singing Silent Night and We're each going to receive light from someone else that we pass on to another person so that they may have light. Jesus enters this dangerous, violent, broken world to bring peace and life and hope and light. And he passes it on to us so that we go from here to pass it on to others, that people would see through us The good news of Jesus, of hope and life and forgiveness and peace. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God for us. And Christmas is about Jesus coming to be God in us and God through us.